Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? Stop clicking things, goddamn Stop clicking. Back away. Do nothing for 10 seconds. Whatever. I said whatever. It's what I, my name is Eric 13. Get get back up to the fucking... Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go over there. It's fine. The whole thing is fine. He's getting this all put together, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> this whole show thing. Go. Welcome to Double Feature, a show that's on the internet. It talks about movies. It spoils movies. It champions movies i'm trying to give it a little good a little bad movies will get spoiled but will be championed it's true those are both facts hopefully i, I don't even know what two movies i saw that can i hold it hold the fuck on people yeah. people know they're saying that are you okay am i okay yeah no i mean it's it's it a lot of survivor's guilt in austin right now for me <laughs> Because what happened is they went, oh shit, here comes that hurricane. And I went, oh shit, here comes that hurricane. And then this place that I vacationed, I don't vacation. I'm not a vacationer. Uh, I yeah, go I to cities. About. But for the, for the one time in my life, I went to this like shitty little coastal town in South Texas. Real shitty. I mean, like, like just bunch of old people running businesses patron patronized by other old people running businesses just i was patronized.com it was, it was slash double feature it was surreal and it was wonderful and now that city's not there anymore oh that's brutal dude and then it rained for two days and i thought you know oh man we might get some flooding and then i got a free movie because i went to the draft house and the ceiling was leaking and they're like that's that's shitty <laughs> here's a free movie so that's then good. the hurricane gave me a free movie and then and then it was 20 degrees cooler for the following week and beautiful uh and then we i just kept reading about all the people who are drowning Ugh. saving other people in houston if we couldn't have a more ironic fucking song of fire and fury or ice and fire or however the fuck that's supposed to go yeah i don't know if because you're you're in a state of crisis down there i don't know if the rest of the country even has any idea no but uh yeah fire in the sky los angeles is on yeah. fire yeah. <laughs> it's we you're just got fire, declared a state of emergency today mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. need your water for yeah. our fire that's funny how wonderfully terrible is this planet that we live on what are we doing on the show today uh, today we're doing um, stories about people who meet each other a bunch of times with sexy results. We're going to do... Uh, God, it just gets worse. Oh, <laughs> when sorry, Harry sorry. Met Sally, which is a classic film. Uh, it's a Rob Reiner film. I'm sorry, who who did that? Rob Reiner. What's the name of the director? Rob Reiner. Is anyone amused by this but me? Rob Reiner. He had that like unbelievable streak right when harry met sally was coming out and then we're gonna do um <laughs> a film that. called he had an unbelievable streak during the week that when harry met sally came no, out. no this was this was like right around the time he did uh fucking spinal tap and just um everything stand by me just me. Everything. everything yeah um and then we're gonna pair that with um you know just like he's like the spanish rob reiner we're gonna do louis <laughs> buñuel's <laughs> That obscure object of desire. The Spanish um, Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, this, that's actually, I don't know if, if you got to the bottom of this, but um, Object of Desire is actually his final film. That's the last movie he ever made. 
I did. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. I, I know that because that's my my greatest fear is dying cynical and with a grudge, like Ruben <laughs> well. So we'll make sure we. You know, the only way to not do that is to never have a grudge or be cynical, and I just sure. can't accomplish yeah. those things. Right. Um, I promised everybody last time on the show that I'd cry, but I just don't even have that in me. Mm-hmm. I just, it's too much. It's LA could use your tears. We're past the, uh, we're past the threshold. Uh, you know, what's actually even more funny about that is we've gotten some kind of record of rain this week. It's not helping the fire. Mm-hmm. We always just think, is oh, it it's like so the, is it the most rainfall you've had in two years where it's, it's like <laughs> 0.08 inches or something? Or that's the blood alcohol the, limit. It's the same thing. <laughs> The uh, the LA River by where I record here is uh, there's water, water in it. Yeah, there's yeah. never water in the LA River, <laughs> but there is right now. And uh, turns out everything is still on fucking fire. So we just go. Oh, if we could just get a little rain and put out the fire. No, that doesn't happen at all. Um, these goddamn movies today. This is such a funny double. We're you know. We spend all this time on the show fucking talking about Nazis. And then we just, we keep going through these loops of like, then the world's going to end because of, you know, nuclear warfare. And then it's like, no, just kidding. It's going to be a flood and disaster relief is going to, and then it's like, hold on, hold on. Great news, bad news, great news. The world, fine. Bad news, there are still Nazis. It will be under Nazi rule. And we just keep going through these three loops of things and I'm just fucking sick of this. Mm -hmm. So we passed a point where things have been so bad for so long that it's funny to me, which puts me in a good place to do this show, I think. Great. That's my my bet right now. Let's just see how long that, that pans out. Uh, spoiling and stuff. Did anybody who brought? Why are we doing these movies? Um, are there any like beavers who are executive I don't producers think, of the I'm show? Not sure, or anything? I'm not sure this was actively chosen by uh, any specific listener. Although I will say that I'm sure someone at some point has told me to see When Harry Met Sally because I haven't seen it. You're okay, so you're you're positive of this. That I've never seen When Harry Met Sally. No matter how many of my ex-girlfriends contribute to the show, none of them asked us to do these movies this week. I don't think so. All right. Well, that would have been a great plan to twist the knife, but thankfully (laughs) you've done that for me. I Uh really appreciate that. Yeah. When Harry Met Sally is, uh, I also thought this might be from when we talked about the Confederate and we were talking about how, Mm -hmm. why would you even create a world of fiction that's worse than the world we live in today. Why would you ever want to do that? Uh-huh. And I started watching When Harry Met Sally thinking that argument was stupid right off the end of the, the previous shows. And I was like, why, why would you make films about relationship? Isn't, isn't the world already painful enough with all these films about <laughs> fucking relationships? So this also has the product, if you did listen through the, uh, the non, the shows that weren't about the show Confederate because that doesn't exist. But the other shows we just fucking did for the last 12 weeks, I think. Here's another little reward for you. <laughs> all right. So we've had all this history from uh, the time from when Harry met Sally to now. This movie was made in a totally different time and space. Mm-hmm. It tackles enough on its own. And also, like, what strange Rob Reiner world do we live in now? Sure. I. I there's too many things. Yeah. What are we well, talking so about? So I'm going to, I think there's something really important that I want to talk about with when Harry met Sally. So have you seen this movie before or did, did I pop your <laughs> Sally cherry? I've, 
No, I mean, you have two. You have two things you can say. <laughs> you can say I have not seen this, or you popped my cherry. Those are your two options. <laughs> Do I really have to say one? Those, of those are your <laughs> options. Thanks. I, I, my cherry was popped. It's okay, true. I got a little shy when I said that, but it's true. So, um, this movie comes up oftentimes when I. Uh, when I exclaim that how to lose a guy in 10 days is the definitive greatest romantic comedy of all time, people will always come back with when Harry met Sally and I go, I haven't seen that shit, but it's not as good. Um, (laughs) Well, so we're doing it today. Explanatory sentence. You just thought it was. Um, And I kind of got, um, remember when we did um, the breakfast club? Yeah. In fact, uh, my memory works at least that well. Yeah, so we did The Breakfast Club, and the first thing I said when we talked about The Breakfast Club is, hmm, this seems awfully white. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. So when we're Good talking thing we about- we fixed that problem with all of these Jews. When we're talking about When Harry Met Sally, I'm curious how you feel about this, because I think we're going to have to go into this in a vacuum. So I think most people watch When Harry Met Sally, and they're a little bit endeared to these characters, and you know, I can I can sense the teary-eyed, oh my god, they're finally together moment when that happens. But maybe it's a change in the zeitgeist, maybe it's my toxic masculinity radar being raised since it's 2017, uh-huh. but... I really don't like either of these two people. (laughs) I feel like Harry is kind of a chauvinist scumbag uh, who takes his self-awareness as an allowance to continue being a chauvinist scumbag. You know, he walks into the room and uh, hits on a lady and then goes, yeah, I'm a pig. What are you going to do, toots? And then just (laughs) continues See, Toots made it endearing again. That's why I did that. And then Sally doesn't seem to have enough self-worth to get above the fact that she deserves better than Harry and instead kind of wallows in this place where she seems to go back and forth from I deserve worse or no one. And by the end of the movie, it feels like Harry goes, eh, she's hot enough to fuck for a long time. And Sally's going, I am hot enough to fuck for a long time. Oh, come on. It's because he can tell her anything and doesn't. Well, and it's a beautiful, so, and, and that is, that is my impression of these two characters. Okay. Now that aside, it doesn't honestly doesn't detract too much from the movie. It just detracts from my ability to uh, ride the emotional roller coaster until the end. Well, let the, me ask the you this. Narrative is this a is movie about, yeah, is this a movie about characters? Is it a movie about a relationship or is it a movie about humankind? Well, the best thing about a movie called When Harry Met Sally <laughs> is it tells you what it's about. Oh, good. Um, it's not about when Harry in, met Sally, first of all, because that happens in the first two well, fucking minutes. Well, here's the, the ha 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 ha. One of the characters into my stuff. trap. When did Harry really meet Sally, Eric? Fuck you. <laughs> you can't just say that every show. You can't just be, when, when did, who is the true looks down at title of movie? <laughs> who is the true obscure object of desire? What is the real, wait, what are we doing on the show this week? <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, Meg Ryan uh, gets off uh, fittingly because she has the best get off scene of all time in this movie, which mm. while having, while not having seen this previously, I have seen that scene a thousand times. Yeah. I believe that's why YouTube was invented. So people, it's funny. Yeah. I had never scene seen that of, scene, but even Hannah, when I was watching it fucking good. was, was telling me, uh, Oh yeah, here's this scene. And I was like, I don't believe yeah. this. It's, you know, it's in a, it's so fucking good. There's no reason to talk about it. That's it's one of those scenes. It's like self uh revelatory or whatever and mm-hmm. its own goodness words with which has. I want to get to that scene, but I want to talk about something that becomes fairly apparent at the beginning of the movie and it is rather informative. This is a weird thing to say, and I am hoping you can help me unpack this cuz it's largely nonsense. Um <laughs> when harry met sally within the first 10 to 15 minutes here we go it's gonna get weird feels like an american version of a woody allen film (laughs) you know what i mean like woody allen with more apple pie i feel like woody allen is so heavily french influenced and european influenced that uh this just feels like a woody allen movie without the um Woody Allen character. That's the word I'm looking for. Pretense is Woody Allen is a hundred times more pretentious than this film. However, I would also go on to say, while we're on the subject of being fucking pretentious, this movie feels like Annie Hall ran headlong into my dinner with Andre. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, which is possibly the most pretentious film we've covered on <laughs> double feature right. um, until the 24 minute mark. And <laughs> I think that that too is really interesting because both of, because a Woody Allen movie is a auteuristic study, right? It's even a movie called Annie Hall is not about Annie Hall. It's all about fucking Woody. Incidentally, that is the autobiography title of his stepdaughter, all about fucking Woody. Um, Poor taste, Michael. That joke was in poor (laughs) talking about men and women and their struggles today michael i can't believe back to now flash forward back to the 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 wonderful faked orgasm scene that scene i think uh if we can use that as ammunition to destroy everything i've already said about this movie (laughs) it's the one moment where harry is emasculated as a man which is one of the reasons it's wonderful yeah and Sally actually has some insight into a situation. Uh-huh. It's one of the only times that she's not reactive and he's not able to scramble into a place of masculine control. It's almost like the scene was written for the opposite character and they switched yeah. it because it would be better if she faked the orgasm. Right. It's exactly like uh-huh. that. Yeah, I mean it's out of but character. But also, for I mean, how's a dude fake an orgasm? Ah, whoa! <laughs> Did you just have an orgasm on the show? Right that was now? a real orgasm. That was surrealistic. I ah, you got a tissue. That's, right. that's it. <laughs> All right. Let's, do you ask people? Do you have a tissue afterwards? That seems I like ask a weird, myself. It's, it's like a weird <laughs> question. Can you tell how much fun I have with other people suffering? It's just a uh, man. All right. First of all, 
it doesn't doesn't matter about hating the characters because I think we should love people in spite of their flaws. There, there, there's my nice thing to say about humankind. That's why I don't spend a lot of time going, do I hate these people? Well, and I don't movies? hate these people. It's no, just no, no, I understand. But to it's give- interesting because when you compare it to um, your typical romantic comedies and maybe that's why this is so widely beloved well that was sure that was my other point is when you compare it to your typical romantic comedies most of those people are very likable and are almost immaculate to the point of of course they end up together because they're two great individuals and this movie instead leans a little bit towards the yeah these are some flawed fucking individuals and by the time yeah. they're 40 they're you know the puzzle pieces fit in all the right places but they're not whole pieces yeah well that leads me back to the thing you were saying before about Woody Allen is uh, those movies for being so similar no one calls them romantic comedies and i think a big part of that is the characters you know we're meant to spend so much time thinking about the specific characters and who they are and how they fit together rather than stepping back and just looking at the relationship like it's a character. And that's one of the things that when Harry met Sally, you know, when I watch it, I can put myself aside from whether or not I like these people and just go, yeah, maybe it's just trying to say, look, all human beings have flaws. Let's just, these are our friends. These are two of our friends who are doing this thing. We're not going to sit here and go, are our friends good people? We're just going to go, oh yeah, he kind of does this fucking thing all the time. It's really annoying. Mm-hmm. And she has this problem where she whatever. And like, so what are they going to do about it? Which is why looking at that tiny little scene in the diner is interesting because it's a moment that should seem a bit out of character for both of them, although an incredibly memorable scene and memorable for its own own filmmaking aspects too. But I don't think about that a lot because I'm looking at this relationship between the two of them less than I am the characters themselves. I'm treating the relationship like its own character. I think that the diner scene, the fake orgasm scene, is a moment to stop and go, okay, well, if that was the point, I don't fucking know what the point of anything is, okay? I don't know why anybody wrote anything or made anything. But if you had started with this hypothesis that the character of the movie is their relationship, by the time we get to that diner and they're just calling each other's bluffs on things, even though it's out of their individual characters, I don't notice because I'm just thinking of them as sort of a unit, Mm -hmm. thinking about this conundrum that they're in. Also... I mean, for double feature's sake, should be said that for this for this scene to make everybody in the room blush for all of the outlandish, crazy X-rated things we've watched on this show is, uh, I don't know, why did no one ever fake an orgasm in cinema before? It just seems like such yeah. a good, such yeah. a good uh, fuck with the audience. Yeah. And the best use of I'll have what she's having, by the way. You're, you're never going to top that. This it is not going to be done. It goes on long enough that even I'm sitting there just baffled that they're still filming. Still today, yeah. in a Rob Reiner movie, mm-hmm. you just, if, if even with the scene being so synonymous, should someone walk by while you're watching it, you have to be, that's why someone has to go, oh yeah, I know that scene. It's mm-hmm. a way, it's a way of, 
of relieving you from going, hold right. on, I'm watching a movie. I'm wa- it, it's yeah. just a thing. And it, have you seen this famous scene in this? Mm-hmm. This isn't weird that I'm watching this at all. Mm-hmm. It's less weird for someone to walk in on you watching pornography than watching sure. the just that scene. scene on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry. I, I was so derailed by fake orgasm. I don't even know where we are anymore. Well, I want to talk about the narrative. Please. It's one of those things that actually ties the two of these movies together really strongly as well. They're odd framing devices. Well, not just that, but also that the movie um, focuses on two people who we can only assume have led full lives, but the film does not allow you to actually see anything well, to that, that effect. That's another thing. I mean, we don't know anything about these people. Yeah. We know nothing about Except Harry how or they Sally. May, may or may not be good for each other. We only know how they are for each other, with each other, but we don't know anything about, I mean, anything which I would argue makes this movie perfect in our Instagrammable culture of today. Maybe. I know what kind of food they ate last Thursday and that they like dogs. And that's sure. all I know about them. Right. Yeah. Seem perfect for each other. That's all you need. Uh, I just, I think it's so interesting to watch this narrative because for a movie to be called When Harry Met Sally and then open with Harry meeting Sally, you go, hmm, it's two hours of this, huh? Yeah. And then they jump forward and they go, oh, uh, okay, what's going on here? It's funny because it's called When Harry Met Sally, yet they keep disconnecting and reconnecting and you go, this is the one. Sure, sure, sure. That last one was not, this is is how they become pecan pie. This is my favorite thing, my favorite non-orgasm related thing about the, uh, the movie. Other orgasm-related thing is that shot of Harry staring up at the ceiling after sex mm-hmm. it, with that frozen horror look. It's just the best. It's such a, a fucking iconic, wonderful image. It's just, that in a painting is its own wonderful just art piece there. I think everyone's found themselves in that frozen horror moment for some reason, sexual or not, you know, relationship-wise mm-hmm. or not. You just know you have that look on your face yeah. that, oh, this is... The worst, what do I do? But non-sex thing in the movie, the fact that you know they are driving towards inevitability, that there is this rom-com, they have to get together at some moment thing, and it should break the film when it finally happens. You, you both go, are they going to do yeah. this yet, or is this the one, or no? Jim and Pam, you're Jim and Pamming the whole time. And, well, the, and the reason for for this movie that it's so specifically bad is it's the death of the ideas. There was all this lead up about, you know, the dynamic between men and women, men and women, two concepts that I don't even know exist in 2017 (laughs) in our gender fluid society. Where is the all gender fluid remake of when Harry met Sally? That's what audiences are clamoring for. Mm -hmm. But they spend such a, uh, a record short amount of time in that little that little one night relationship that it basically gives the film exactly what it needs to go on and make more points. The film has this, this whole sort of stand up routine to do. It's like pseudo philosophy stand up to do about men and women getting into relationships. And it's also got this chunk that it wants to do talking about 
you know, as a relationship falls apart or when people move in together or whatever, but it can't do that until there is a relationship. And for the movie to go, okay, and now they're in a relationship, just kidding, no, they're not. It gives just enough time to go. And then there's, it might as well have kind of just intertitled over that whole scene and gone. And then they went out, but it didn't work. Anyways, mm-hmm. on to our next chunk of material. And I think that's such a genius thing for the movie to do to, to give you the moment that you kind of go, I mean, the rom-com fulfillment moment that I think a lot of people probably watch it and go, ah, finally, this is what I was waiting for. But I know watching it goes, this is where the movie dies and runs out of beautiful stuff to do. (laughs) And then to brush it under the rug so quickly or really just to put it aside and go, that was kind of a little controlled moment of chaos and now it's over. Let's the movie go on and start doing all this other stuff. It kind of rejuvenates it with almost the second act worth of ideas, even though mm-hmm. we're, we're so late into the plot. Uh, good job movie, I believe is the, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm looking at my soundboard of things we end segments <laughs> with and good job movie is the one I chose to push. That Obscure Object of Desire is a film that I think the conversation might make you a little angry, the places I want to go with this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, like I said, human so, misery is just so wonderful, and I just get off on it, so that's so nice. Can um, I open with a, with a Boonwell quote, and then maybe that'll give us a little context? Sure. Because I know, uh, and which Boonwell films have we actually done on the show? Uh, I think we've, what, we've done Exterminating Angel, we did uh, Belle du Jour, and this is the third one now. Okay, so this yeah. is this is scary because these movies always end up being like incredible societal messages that mm-hmm. the world just hasn't accepted yet or just reading our direct future or mm-hmm. some kind of great tome of knowledge given to us that we just didn't take. There is this thing, and I don't know if he wrote it, or he said it, or whatever. But it is said that Boonwell talked about making films that would convey to audiences the absolute certainty that they do not live in the best of all possible worlds. Uh-huh. I think looking at this movie and the perhaps cautionary things it says, or the if there's a larger thing about society that it says to pause in that moment and go, is this another Boonwell example of not the best of all possible worlds or outcomes? You know, he's showing us movies, the types of movies people can watch and go, well, if they would have just done X or Y or Z thing, this whole movie would be over and none of this would even matter. And Boonwell specifically looks at that and goes, nope, not in this universe. Well, And I think what's really interesting about that device in the context of this film and also frightening about watching this film in the context of the year it is. um, (laughs) Yeah, it is scary, isn't it? Is that... Go for it, Michael. You can do it. So this The audience supports you. ...is about a guy who uh, is pissed off that a woman played by two women because Boonwell... No matter how much you try and look up the thing, it doesn't make any more sense. So don't even bother. Is pissed off that a woman played by two women keeps uh, blue balling him. Mm -hmm. And now here's the thing, and this is where it's going to get tricky. 
So I don't think you or I would argue at any point in this film that either of them are in the right. Another thing that maybe the two films have in common because he is certainly not in the right to demand that she give it up. And I also think that while it is entirely her prerogative and whatever, it's probably shitty for her to lead him on the way she does from a human to human standpoint. Now here's where it gets tricky. She has the absolute right to not do this. And that is put through the lens of a certain level of sexual conservatism. See where this is going. And so she has the right to be conservative. Except it's also put through the lens of a universe where ultra conservative right wing Christian terrorists (laughs) are constantly fucking with everybody and ruining everybody's lives. And so there is a, all the film has a built in worldwide extrapolation of this issue. I believe it may be ultra leftist groups, but it's also Spain like 60 fucking years ago. So I don't even know what any of them are. Hyper Christian, but it's, it's Michael, it's before 2015. There's still Christians in the world back then. In fact, everybody's a fucking Christian. I, but my, my point is it's even if it, whatever it is, there's Christians tend to link with conservatism, certainly with, uh, premarital sex. I don't care what year it is. All right. Um, and so to have a terrorist group in support of Conchita <laughs> the whole time, uh-huh. shooting people in the street, <laughs> blowing up uh, car bombs, whatever. Seem like a weird element to add to the film, doesn't it's, it? It's really interesting to watch a world being blown apart by this the same general type of force. And, and here's the interesting part is I don't know if that's what the film is saying because it's surrealism. Uh, and honestly, I think the ultimate thesis is, I guess if that's what you think, sure. Um, well, we would have been such good friends with this fucking guy. I know he, his movies, he also has this thing where he rejects utterly and completely rejects any kind of uh, psychoanalysis exactly. in his films. Yep. And you look at him and you kind of cock your head and go, are you sure? <laughs> are, you, <laughs> are you sure about that, man? Because you might be wrong about your own movies. And mm-hmm. he goes, no, no, no. Absolutely no. I Listen, I'm just telling these stories and it just bags. And how could you look at this film and not go, wow, there's a lot going on under the hood. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, funny story about man meets woman. Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just assume he doesn't, he doesn't know. Uh, well, I, here's what I think about that idea is it, I don't think that's, it's that he doesn't know. I think it's him being like, it's all fucking right there. Yeah. 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 I don't think, I think it's the opposite of Mulholland drive. I think David <laughs> Lynch goes with Mulholland drive. If you look hard enough and you put the pieces in the correct order with these 10 clues, the world will be unlocked. And Louis Bunuel goes, you see the movie? You go, yeah. And he goes, then you fucking saw what I was saying. Totally. And we go, well, there was a lot there. And he goes, it's all (laughs) fucking there. It's all right fucking there. Yeah. 
We go he either thinks, 10 clues and he goes, how about two hours of clues? How's yeah, two hours of clues? If the movie is 110 minutes, then it takes 110 minutes to talk about everything in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, is just a fucking great thing. Fuck. I don't know. Backdrop. You know, the movie sets itself in this backdrop for a specific reason. Is it trying to draw these characters? It, oh, fuck, it's just so hard. You know, as you, were, as you were explaining that you didn't think either of the characters made great choices or that they were... They in were the both, right. That's my terminology yeah, that I want right. to stick sure, to. Sure, Yeah. Uh, I feel like the movie lends itself very easily to a conversation about how that chick is the worst. Sure. But maybe just because I have a penis, I don't know. And that's the, again, we're getting into the, this <laughs> film, the, hey, this double feature. Hey, fucker, it's 2017. Having a penis doesn't mean anything anymore. I, Gender fluidity. It's all fine. I Everything think it's really is fine with everybody. That this double feature ended up being a toxic masculinity double feature. Because the thing with, with Matthew in this movie He's totally a fucking shitty, like, chauvinist dude. If he could have, could have just raped her, this would be so much easier. It'd be so much easier. That's the fucking thing. We just go, oh, but fuck you, guy. It's funny because the the could-haves in this film are the absolute worst things. Because it's, you know, well, this this should have gone one of two ways. She should have hard friend-zoned him or he should have just raped her. But this whole movie didn't need to happen. (laughs) I I don't remember, actually, if she was on her thing or not. But uh, I know this girl, Harem Suicide, was talking about funny games, new funny games. Mm -hmm. Talking to her about it. And she goes, uh, yeah, the first 30 minutes were so infuriating. I just couldn't watch it anymore, which I was gleeful about, of course. Mm-hmm. And she goes, there's, there's just so many ways you could have just stopped those kids. And I'm like, oh, you're one of those people, though. You're one of those people who's like, I saw a solution to this film's problem, and it bothered me so much I stopped watching. Mm-hmm. which is not even a world of cinema that I can comprehend. Which is amazing to me because that's the level of self-identifying that I think undermines all art is when you look at a painting of the Mona Lisa and go, <laughs> my smile's not like that. That's stupid. <laughs> uh, it doesn't even show what she's smiling at. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you'll never even know what's the point. Yeah. I just uh, love, you know, funny, even this movie, like, it, if you go, well, if I was in this situation, this is how it would have ended. And I go, well, if I was in that situation, I would have a fucking cell phone and everybody would think I was a wizard. So it doesn't, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Listen, Harem's a great artist and a wonderful person. I just thought that was so, sure. so funny and so fitting. When I look at the people in this movie, I mean, the ultimate answer for me is that, you know, she refuses sex, so he buys her a house. Mm-hmm. What these people do doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, he's he's basically trying to he's trying to ensure the thing, the unspoken thing that we haven't gotten into, and really the undercurrent of both of these films is that we can look at it in one of two ways. These two people are attracted to each other beyond just physically. I mean, something at a universal level 
Well, you're starting is, to get you're starting to get into what the bleep do we know territory well, and here. And I'm Michael. not talking I'm about that specifically. I'm just saying like these these two characters are so intensely attracted to each other that no matter what, they keep coming back to each other. Yeah. And sure, it's purely physical and of course it's purely like, you know, two AM you up question mark. It's the same <laughs> shit. Um listen. My counselor says I have to challenge it anytime anyone says people are magnetically drawn to each other and can do nothing about it. So I'm just doing. Well, what I'm not I'm saying to that they here. can do nothing about it. I'm saying that they're too weak to do anything about it. Uh, but they're um, human, Michael. You're allowed to be weak. weak yeah, that's right. Humans. Sure, as long as you don't. You know. I'm gonna rape pose something people. to you. I'm gonna pose something to you here. Right. I think maybe he's super into her. Because she's not putting out. Sure. And she maybe doesn't have any fucking clue what she wants. Well, there, I think that's my. Here's the, and that's interesting because I will, I see your argument and I raise you one. Uh huh. That's a, by the way, telling either of those people that doesn't help them. They both know that, anyways. He is super into her, which is made worse by the fact that she won't put out because the intrigue is exacerbated and she gets off on not putting out. It's because she knows how to fake an orgasm really well, like in well, that diner scene. That's, I just think, I think she that, just goes home and rubs out a fakie and everything's fine. <laughs> I think that for her, the chase is better than the catch and she knows it and he hates it. And for him, the chase is better than the catch and he doesn't know it and she loves it, which infuriates him even further. Also, there's terrorism <laughs> in this film. Our, are these people doing this willingly though? Are they doing it intentionally? The reason I don't think they're doing it um, intentionally, but I do think that they are con- constantly acquiescing to the same dance. I think that that is, I think that that above all things is hammered in after he gets off the train because yeah. all leading up to it, it's this, um, you have this story being told that seems to be predicated on the, but I finally stuck it to that bitch. <laughs> you know, that's, that's yeah, until he has to get up mid story to go chase her down. on a Right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, is the, it's the story seems to be started like, wow, why did you do that? And he was like, well, that was the punctuation mark on a long and arduous situation. Let me regale you <sighs> tiny lawyer. I and- <laughs> <laughs> love that guy. Love that guy. I think uh, this is the um, the week I broke up with my wife, which is to say she dumped me and also was someone else's wife. Right. And I couldn't help, but the entire time he's telling this story, think about how as that whole disaster piece went on, I would tell people stories about this crazy thing that I was doing. And they would go, you know, that's really crazy and terrible and I'm going to, you know, like end poorly and you should bail. And I just went, yeah, I totally know. It was a little bit like uh, Carrie Fisher in the last movie, just like, mm-hmm. he's never going to leave, is he? No, of course he's never going to leave. Huh. Smash cut to 10 years later when she's still doing the same fucking thing. You find yourself caught in these situations where I don't really know what the right excuse is. There probably isn't one. But for whatever reason, there is that kind of magnetism where you 
and not even to say just about relationships, but just about anything where you just mm -hmm. deliberately explain right. how bad something right. is and you and your friends all laugh over what a terrible idea it is. And then you go, well, back to that. See yep. you later. I wish I knew how to quit you. It's an interesting part of humanity that we can step outside ourselves to explain how chaotic and terrible something is. And that just like go right the fuck back to it. And then it mm -hmm. ends all chaotic and terribly. And we go, wow, that was really... Man, well, that really sucked. And the fact that this movie ends with them blowing up. Um, <laughs> well, that's the, that's the other thing is it just screams like, hey, you're going to die someday. You really want to just keep fucking doing this? Yeah. Well, like, but that's that's the moment, right? Is is had they died five minutes earlier, wouldn't they have, you know, everything you know, their story been ends fine. on a high note, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, God, that's another complex part of the, the fucking human experience. But I mean, I don't know. I think that's why that question of are they doing it intentionally or not? Do they have control over stopping themselves? Why that's important to me. Because if she, okay, if she's intentionally going, this is easy for me to think she's like a, a manipulative scumbag than him just because of like, mm -hmm. again, I have a penis and, you know, my situation. But if either one of them is just being conniving about it, if she's going, I want to rob this guy of money, so I'm going to go back and do this thing again. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I had a a change of heart, but I do love being chased around. Obviously, the, the way you guys are playing this out is causing you fucking pain. Yeah, maybe you like these feelings, but don't you want to like maybe try a, a slightly harder but more satisfying way to get them than to just I mean, keep doing these terrible things to each other? It depends on how good the up feels, man. That's addiction, right? It is, is addiction, yeah. It's, there are ups and downs and you, you keep, you tolerate the downs for the hopes that the up feels like it did once before. Yeah, no, you're right. All of life is fucking addiction. I mean, that's the whole, that's maybe that is the reason we do terrible things is we just kind of go, well, yeah, but the payoff, this mm -hmm. is like everything else in my life. If it feels awful here, it's going to be really cool later. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> just kind of the roller coaster works, I guess. I don't know. Listen, uh, th the problem with films like this and pairs like these is that really, to some extent, with all movies, in order to get to the bottom of these answers, you have to have some kind of handle on life, which I have absolutely none of and don't understand at all. And then to make it about relationships, which I've clearly failed at like the last 120 times in a row, also just makes me the least equipped person to watch this. Mm -hmm. And you would think, by extension, the most well-equipped to learn something from it, but I'm not sure I can do that either. Yeah. I just see other people being miserable and it's like, I feel like I'm a monkey in a cage looking at another cage of monkeys going, ah, oh, they have it yeah. fucking terrible over there too. And none of us can do anything about it. Yeah. <sighs> so before we, before we wrap this up, I do have a question. So you have, uh -huh. I, I don't just have gonna, an answer as we already established. I, I'm going to give you a multiple choice question. Oh, that's great. Cause then I can um, definitely get, <laughs> please. Sorry. Go so on, you go have on. these two people standing in front of you and somebody uh -huh. goes, so who's better? <laughs> Why do you got to do that? And I, I'll, I will, let me, because the movie does offer this answer. So option A will be Matthew. 
Option B will be either Conchita. I will let you choose. You get to pick a Conchita. Damn, I had a whole joke lined up about that. Um, option C is blow them both up. You know, before you said up, I had already figured out my option. But now, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> I, all right. Well, she probably doesn't deserve being punched because she's not a Nazi after all. And as far as I know, not so much an extremist as just a hooligan. I'm not sure that I want to cause any violence in this scenario. Ah, uh, what, what? Okay, so I think, I think I can say this. We both know, and probably the audience, because of the slightly male perspective of the film, why she's terrible. Mm-hmm. Give me your your one shot answer for what makes him such a fuck. Besides that, he is doing something not in his own best interest. Entitlement. He spends the entire film acting like he is entitled to her body. What if it's not her body? What if it's any he, other? He thing has that everything is else. Be, he has what, everything else. What if he's missing something else? And sex makes it weird because then it gets all rapey. But let's just yeah, take the. It does. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I know. I know. <laughs> but let's say for a second that this chastity she has, it's not about her uh, her sona burlap sack right. gimp suit that she's got going on there. Mm-hmm. You want know, to talk about fucking great one shot <laughs> images of a movie? <laughs> Just like that's a moment that half the I love, people who saw the film just scream and throw things into the air. I love that, that moment not only because of that image, but I love when it cuts back to the train and he goes, Yeah. And I just <laughs> tried for a while and then gave up. <laughs> I know it's so funny. <laughs> but you know, he's he's telling the story. The story's from a male perspective. It's interesting to think how she might tell the same fucking story. God, would that be nice to hear? Hey, there's your all-female remake idea for this movie, too. You Three Conchitas. Ready? Just one Conchita <laughs> wants to rape herself, and the other two Conchitas are not down with it. <laughs> oh, Christ. If it wasn't sex, if it was some other... She would never move in with him. She put out all the time, but wouldn't fuck, I don't know, sleep over. Uh-huh. You know? Some other part of... What I'm getting at is... The sex is kind of implied because they're in a relationship. And when you're in a relationship, you have sex. And it's not that fucking weird as much as we want to be super progressive about it. If you're in a relationship for a long time and someone doesn't put out, you're going to be like, listen, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, that's true. Okay, which is fine. And it's also fine to get like really fucking mad about that. At some point, you do have to go, then stop doing it. She's crazy. There you go. Which is fine. (laughs) Which is fine, uh-huh. but that's the thing is know, once man. is is up until and including the first moment that she won't have sex with him, he's fine. But the second she goes, yo, sex is off the table. And he goes, I don't want it to be off the table. Put it back on the fucking table. <laughs> uh, can I tell you something? <clears throat> yeah. Wife put out all the time, would never sleep over. We have a website. It's doublefeature.fm, email address. Oh, do you have a tissue? <laughs> send, don't send me fucking emails. I don't want to send your emails to at playing Michael on Twitter. I want to thank some executive producers, but uh, 
sometimes they die every week and we get new ones to replace them. So I'm going to look those up right now to make cool. sure I have a very up to date. I'm going to do like a Git poll here. Are you interested in what we're doing next time on double feature in the meantime? Fuck yeah, I am. I am. So, uh, we're, you want to talk about toxic masculinity? We're going to watch dude punch dudes next week. Um, it's kind of why is that okay, Michael? Can't punch ladies. Punching I, dudes totally fine. What's I up wanna, with that? I want to cover something actually really important to me next week. I want to cover <laughs> um, the modernized take on action movies. Um, I will for uh, for everybody's sake and so as not to alienate good friends of ours. I will try to limit my uh, John Wick atomic blonde digs to uh, (laughs) subtle hints and not just flat out those movies aren't that badass. Um, Uh Uh But what I want to talk about next week is not only how to make an actual high fucking octane action movie in the 2K10s, but I also want to talk about how to double down after you've already done it once. I have a um, feeling I know what these two movies are. So we are going to cover The Raid 2 and Crank High Voltage. People that makes happy. Ross Muller, Abbott of Unreason, Jordan Sells. See, I just said Abbott of Unreason. It's just listed right here. I don't mm-hmm. even know what kind of Abbots those are. David Anderson, Charles fucking Crawford, Ben Ecker, Aaron Shore, and literally there's a beaver. There's a beaver who's, our, I don't know its name. <laughs> I believe it's female. It's an executive producer of our show. This is what happens when you have to fund through patreon.com forward slash double feature. Beavers. I mean, really, just push us, guys. Just see how far we'll go. Sign up for something (laughs) on Patreon and just kind of like pretend you misinterpreted it and just uh, ask for some ludicrous thing and just see if you get it because the answer is absolutely yes and patreon.com forward slash double feature. Watch more fucking film. Did you say what the names of the movies are? Yeah. I was looking at executive producers. Tell me again. (laughs) Uh, We're doing the Raid 2 and Crank High Voltage. I already knew that. I know. Watch more fucking film, I said. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 